either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry. You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Not nearly as star-powered at the movies this week, but we've got some good stuff to talk about. And very glad you're here to talk about it with us. This is the Screening Room Podcast. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we are from MadWolf.com. And yeah, we were loaded with stars last week. Yeah. Tom Hanks, Charlize Theron, and uh, Andy Samberg mm-hmm. and some good stuff. But we got some smaller movies, definitely worth checking out this week. And we'll start with a skilled cook who has traveled west and joined a group of fur trappers in Oregon, though he only finds a true connection with a Chinese immigrant also seeking his fortune. Soon the two collaborate on a successful business. This one's called First Cow. You have a cow. First cow in the territory. It's ain't a place for cows. Well, it's no place for a white men either. I sense some opportunities here. Good Lord, give me another. I'll give you six ingots for that last one. I taste London in this game. We have to take what we can when the taking is good. Seems dangerous. So is anything worth doing? Now, when we did our TV spot this morning, Phil said this sounded like Sinbad was taking a cow to the White House, which was a good line. It is a funny line. And, and he used it twice. That's how, <laughs> <laughs> that's and, how good it was. But uh, no, it's not. It's a very not. It's not one of those offbeat, weird comedies at all. Even though I guess I can see that with the title. But it's filmmaker Kelly Reichard, who we are always glad to hear from. Yeah, she and she has such. An incredible, specific, lovely style in her films. They're very languid, and they tell a story, obviously, but they they kind of sneak up on you a little bit. And uh, and this one is just about friendship. That's really the whole point of this movie. You know, you see these couple of outsiders who don't fit in where they are in the very, very rugged territory of uh, Oregon in the 1800s. I mean, you saw The Revenant, right? It, it takes a certain kind of disposition to be a fur trapper. It's a tough life. Yes. Tough life. Yes. Uh, and so the relationship that the two men build is is really lovely. And then kind of underneath of that is the story of King Lou is the name of Orion Lee plays him. Orion Lee plays him. And he is a Chinese immigrant. And he's he's got ambitions. Mm-hmm. And Cookie, who is played by John Magaro, He's just a tender human being, and he really knows for sure now that he's traveled all this way with trappers that that's not really what he wants to do. <laughs> and so, you know, the two of them sort of strike up not just this friendship, but this kind of realization that, you know, if they just sneak over in the nighttime and steal some of the milk from the only cow in the ter- territory who belongs to this uh, uh, high muckety muck, they could sell some delicious baked goods to these people and make a lot of cash. And mm-hmm. so that's what they do. And it's just, a, it's a beautiful story. It's a lovely story. It is not a funny story. So, again, I think that the title might throw you off a little bit. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. And I love the line where he, he's talking about, well, hopefully uh, the guy, the, the cow's owners are the kind of people that don't mind being stolen from. Uh, right. And that's, well... Maybe not. <laughs> I mean, that is the other thing. Uh, you know, a couple of her films, Wendy and Lucy, mm-hmm. you know, um, Certain Women. Right. Yeah, Meek's cut off. She, um, uh, Kelly Record is really a master at telling stories about tender people in unforgiving environments. 
I love that about her. Her films are so poetic and beautiful, and uh, and this is definitely one of those. But at the same time, for a number of reasons, her films tend to break your heart, and this will do the same. And also, this has got to be one of the last roles for René Aubergenois. Uh, I think it was his final film. Was it really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I saw that name in there, and I saw his face, and he has... He passed away. It really wasn't that recently. No. It's been it's been a little while. So yeah, this is probably, if not his final one. And he's a guy that was around for decades and yeah. was always just a comforting face. Oh, I think that you, guy. you mainly know him from Benson, right? Yeah, from he was TV, on the TV show Benson, but he was always in oh, movie yeah. roles as well. So. Uh, and, and Toby Jones. Did you mention Toby Jones? I did not mention Toby Jones. He is perfect casting. He is perfect casting. So because he plays the cow's owner, uh-huh. and you know he's uh, obviously he's not a uh, guy. He's not big in stature. No. And he had he speaks very softly, and he he has a gentle quality to him, and so he's sort of perfect for this role. Because the fact of the matter is, he's gotten where he's gotten really by not being a very gentle soul, regardless of impressions, first impressions, and so. You know, once you kind of get to know his character a little bit, she she kind of effortlessly creates a great sense of dread for these two kind of sweetheart guys that you've really grown to love and you're rooting for. And, you know, this is just not this is not going to go as they're hoping it will go. And it's again, it's it's a heartbreaking movie, but it's a beautiful film, too. Yeah. And it's some great dialogue as well. And she, Kelly Reichert, worked on the screenplay. It's an adaptation of a novel. But she was the co uh, co writer as well as with the as, novelist Jonathan Raymond, and the two of them collaborate on a lot of her films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is one if you if you have seen her films, then you'll know what's coming, and you'll have a comfort in. But if you haven't, uh, this is a great one to start with, Agreed. and then go back all the way to Meek's Cutoff. I think that's the first one that I really became aware. Right, Meek's Cutoff. I remember the year it came out. It really among our critics groups that year just had a lot of favorites, mm-hmm, a lot mm-hmm. of favorites there. And then you mentioned Wendy and Lucy, of course, is with um, um, I see your face, uh, Michelle. Michelle Williams. So is Meek's Cutoff. Yeah, yeah. So is certain women. They work together a lot. Oh, that's yeah. right. She's in all three of those. Mm-hmm. I there you go. I forgot about that. So maybe I need to revisit, but. Definitely one uh, to check out, and the leader of the of the smaller movies uh, out this week. Definitely worth checking out, and it's streaming on all the services. Uh, it may only be on Amazon Prime. Okay, all right. Well, check it out if you can. First cow. Well, who's up for a horror movie next? You know we are. This one follows five battle-hardened American soldiers assigned to hold a French chateau near the end of World War II, formerly occupied by Nazi high command. This unexpected respite quickly descends into madness when they encounter a supernatural enemy far more terrifying than anything seen on the battlefield. It's called Ghosts of War. What's that? I found it in the basement. It belonged to one of the Nazis who took over the house. It says what happened to the family who lived here. We stay here and we're fishing a barrel. And you're all willing to die in a military prison? We can't leave. This ain't right, man. This place is bad juju. What the hell is that? I'm just gonna say what we're all thinking. This place is haunted. If you let evil happen, it could come back to haunt you tenfold. I want everyone geared up and ready to clear out. My first concern about that description is as films that we will talk about later in this podcast go, ghosts are not the scariest things that you're going to see during war. Right. Although it did conjure up 
memories of the movie Overlord, yes. uh, which we re- were reminded of the fact that Nazi zombies are good villains. Oh, they might be the most fun villains in all of horror. Nazi zombies are great. Uh, and th- that's not what's in this movie. It is ghosts. It's ghosts. And it's the latest from writer-director Eric Bress, who you might remember from The Butterfly Effect, which oh, yes. is not very good. <laughs> Aston Kutcher. Yeah. And he swings for the fences with this because not only does he have uh, this interesting circumstance of these five uh, soldiers, he knows when you think you know what's happening and they address it. The soldiers address it. They say, well, this is clearly, are we saying haunted house right now? And then there are a couple of other times where it's like the the soldiers are ahead of the game as you are. Mm -hmm. So that's an interesting, smart, savvy way of doing it although it does undercut the, the, the tensions and the fears. Uh, the second, the first problem, really, I think, is the CGI, which is very definitely not impressive. Then the second problem is the character development, because, again, he assumes that you understand these five specific types of human beings who are in this one platoon, because, of course, it always happens. You've got a smarty pants. You've got a commander who's in over his head. You've got a hero. You've got, you know what I mean? You've got the nut job. And you'll see that so often because it's it's used as a shortcut to character development. Right. I, I don't have to spend much time here. I'm going to pigeonhole him into the goof. Right. Okay, we know. Go. And Exactly. Yeah, and it, it comes off as lazy because... Because humanity's not like that. Yeah. You take any collection of five people, and they're not going to fall that easily into sort of the Backstreet Boys. You've got the good guy. <laughs> you know, you've got the hot nerd. Yeah. You've got the—it's just—it doesn't work that it's, way. But it, that's the easiest road to go down, right. and that's what's disappointing about it. Anytime you see it, not just here, right. anytime you see right. it. Right. But then, the, but then I think for me, I was willing to go along with it because, you know— there aren't a lot of horror films set in World War II, and I find that part of it interesting. Mm-hmm. And I like a good ghost story. Not that this is a particularly good ghost story, but I, I w- there are a couple of really good performances in it. And I was willing to... And then there is a, a third act reveal that I think Bress was trying to do something more important, more relevant with his material. But it wound up, to me, feeling exploitative and lurid as opposed to respectful and relevant. Mm -hmm. So it didn't make me happy. I didn't care for the twist. It should have been more clever than it was. I did not like the way it was handled. So in the end, you know, I think I gave it three stars out of five, and that might have been a little bit generous. But there are some things about it I like, and and I can kind of have a soft spot for horror, as you know. But I'm lukewarm at best on Ghosts of War. And even Billy Zane in a uh, last-act cameo popping in there. So, yeah, I think early on the feeling was it had potential where we're going, and then it just crumbled by the end. Agreed. And that is Ghosts of War. Next up is one you may have heard about lately. A young Jewish boy somewhere in Eastern Europe seeks refuge during World War II, where he encounters many different characters. It's the Painted Bird. Wow, that is... A deceptively upbeat description of this movie. Maybe that is why. It's funny. Just today, I just saw a lot of people posting um, about it. More articles coming out about how punishing this movie is. About the walkouts, I think, in in Venice. Um, uh, about it's being called the most controversial movie of the year. And I'll be honest, I didn't really hear about it until just recently when we were offered the chance to see it. Uh, and I found that it's the first 
movie adaptation and a very famous uh, 1965 novel by Jerzy Kaczynski. And it is brought to life by director Vaclav Marhol, who also did the adaptation of the script. And the best way I can sum this up is this movie is brutal to watch, but beautiful to look at. Just look at the trailer. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. The way he stages, all in black and white, mm -hmm. the way he stages this. But it is, it's nearly three hours of constant punishment. Yeah. Just just unyielding brutality and cruelty and depravity. <laughs> it comes with a warning label that way. I mean, know what you're getting into. At the same time, I'm glad I saw it. It is a great piece of work um, that I don't want to see again. And, right. Um, but it's, yeah, it tells the story of this boy. And the boy is great. He's played by Peter Cutlar. And he never speaks. And we're not exactly sure what country he's in. But it's nearing the end of World War II. And the movie is pretty much set up into chapters, and they're just introduced with a black screen with names on the screen. So each chapter is different people that he meets because he's left by his parents as they're fleeing the Germans near the end of World War II. He's left with an elderly woman. Then when she dies, he is on his own as he travels or is captured uh, by different people moving from place to place, somehow surviving, and just one after the other meeting these people who subject him to such cruelty, or he witnesses other people subjecting other people to such cruelty. And it's it goes on and on and on, and again, it's beautiful to watch. It reminded me in a lot of instances of The White Ribbon, yeah, which was, oh my Lord, what a great movie. Right. Probably, yeah, probably Haneke's masterpiece, which, oh. you know, you could say that of about 20 of his movies, but that yeah. one is, I think, top level. What a great movie. Um, this is, again, in, in beautiful black and white, and the way it, it's very, it's, it's almost a movie, I think it could work, it's in subtitles, but I think it could really work without... Silent. It really could. I mean, the boy, as I said, he's silent anyway. He only speaks in, in nods. And the, the rest of the script is very sparse. It could probably get away with if you didn't even read the subtitles. But, but uh, still, as it is now, it's, an, a, it's a tremendous piece of work. But I don't know how much clearer I can say how brutal that it is. This is not going to be for everyone. Because at some point, you expect a respite from it, a break mm -hmm. from it. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't come. Well, our, our uh, Kat McAlpine reviewed this for us for the uh, website. And I think she ended it by saying... It is an absolutely beautiful movie that she would recommend to no one. Yeah, exactly right. And as, as she said, it goes in a lot of places. All of them are dark. Yep. And, of course, it does. There's a metaphorical quality here, too. Absolutely. And, and they're, very, they're pretty clear about it. Of course, it's meant to mirror the atrocities of the Holocaust. Of right. course, that's part of it, because we're talking about World War II here. And you see some of those atrocities as one of the, the many savage things that you see. And there's some striking... Sequences. It's also peppered with some familiar faces. Right. Udo Kier. Yeah. Udo Kier is the first one, and that face. Julian Sands. Right there, you're going, ooh, oh no, things don't go well for this right, boy. Right. Julian Sands, uh, Harvey Keitel. Right. And then uh, Barry Pepper mm. uh, toward the end. So you do see some familiar faces, but not for long. They're just in, in these separate vignettes as it moves along to the, uh, to the next chapter as he finally is trying to get back to his parents and end his journey. So... Again, beautiful, breathtakingly shot movie, so well-constructed. And if you know what you're in for and are ready for that, I think it's going to be a movie that you're, you're impressed by. I certainly was. 
glad you saw it, but one that you'll you'll put away and not and wa- not watch again. That's the kind of movie that this is. And it is the Painted Bird available now on streaming. Next, we have a documentary from Netflix when Sergeant First Class Brian Eich is critically wounded in Afghanistan. It sets him and his sons on a journey of love, loss, redemption, and legacy. It's called Father, Soldier, Son. My dad is a American soldier. My dad is my superhero. It's a lot easier being a platoon sergeant than it is raising two boys by yourself. I'm trying to do my duty to my country and deploy, you know, and do what Uncle Sam asked me to do. But, you know, what's everybody asking my boys to do? You always think back, would you change something or would you have done this different? Just keep going. That's all you can do. And fill your days with more happiness than sadness. This is a documentary 10 years in the making. And uh, when they sent us the link to the screener, they compared it to Boyhood, uh, the great Richard Linklater film, because it just follows this family and you watch them grow up in front of you. Yeah, the, the big difference is, of course, there they were actors, mm-hmm. uh, and it was a more of a, a narrative, although very loose, it was more of a, a narrative film. It reminded me of that Michael Apted um, documentary series, yeah. the uh, Up series, mm-hmm. that follows the same people every seven years. Uh, these are real people, and it does follow them over a nearly a 10-year period, so you see them get older, you see them change, you see the boys grow up. And uh, Brian, the dad, yeah, he is a third-generation soldier in the Army, uh, doing tours in Afghanistan, and we ca- when we catch up with him originally, he is on his way back home to Wisconsin for a two-week visit. The boys, his sons, have been staying with his brother, their uncle, and they're very excited. And that's how we start with the family. And as the years go on, we see him uh, get injured, very badly injured. We see him come home for good. We see him obviously change physically, and we see him change emotionally from not being in the Army anymore. And, of course, as his sons grow up, we see them change as they start to become young men, especially the older boy. We also see Brian, the dad, get a very understanding and incredibly supportive girlfriend uh, named Maria. So it's so immersive. We, we almost live with this family. And we, we see, number one, on the surface, it is about, of course, a military family and the sacrifices that military families must make, not only the one in the military, but the family back home. Sure. And those are not to be discounted. Those are very real, and that's what's at the, the surface of this movie. But under, underneath it, and I think what really is enlightening, is the relationship between the father and the sons. Not much is mentioned of the mother. Um, we really just get one mention that she left. That's really all we knew, we know. But... Uh, and the delicate bonds of masculinity, what these boys are catching from watching their dad, and what he's telling them, what he's passing them down. And, and also, it's, it's masculinity, it's patriotism, it's things that go unnoticed, but you, or you think they might be going unnoticed, but they're not, because you know the kids are always watching. Mm-hmm. And those sorts of, of threads underneath make it, I think, even more powerful. And the film, it's not judgmental. But it's clear-eyed, mm-hmm. and it lets you ma- make your own judgments, and it works that way as well. And we, we come to we cheer for this family. We get disappointed in some of their choices, and there is some moments of just immeasurable pain in their lives, and you yeah. just ache for them. Yeah. You ache for them. 
and it's it's very it's very emotional and it's very effective. I think maybe meanders here or there, but. Uh, at the same time, I think it's one that will will suck you in on a surface level and also speak to some very real truths that are are worth thinking about. And uh, it's uh, again, it's on Netflix, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's fa- and just the fact that it is over a ten year period, so that you see uh, these real people evolve and age. And also, I don't know if it's just me. Uh, it it showed me some of the most lengthy and real snippets of actual boot camp right that i have ever seen you always see the you know the movie where the boot camp instructor the drill instructor is screaming in the young cadet's face well this time you're seeing some actual shots uh in from real boot camp and i hadn't seen that i don't think if, if that i could remember right um so things like that you get a real a real bird's eye view of this family a military family and and what they're what they're dealing with and it's the feature debut for co-directors Leslie Davis and Katrin Einhorn again a 10-year project so definitely worth checking out on Netflix Father Soldier Son Let's move from Netflix to Shudder Lillian and some friends travel back to the remote cabin by the little lake where her twin brother died last year, and soon after arriving, strange things start happening. Inspired by the 1958 classic horror film, it's called Lake of Death. So a lot of decent movies this week. Not a lot of happy-go-lucky films. (laughs) No. No, this is a Norwegian horror movie. So if you're thinking blondes and folklore, uh, you're you're, you're in the right... You're in the right neighborhood. A lot of blondes in this cast. But strangely, the writer-director here is Nini Bol Robsam. And she trades some of the Norwegian folklore for some decidedly American inspirations. I mean, they name-drop quite a few classic American horror films. But it's a it's a remake of not only a 1958 horror film, but the 1940s novel that spawned that. And I, from what I read, that book and that movie really kick-started the Norwegian interest in horror. Nice. Yeah, and so they revisit that with a, some reimagining. But yeah, we get Lillian, who comes back to this to this area where the the synopsis there said the brother was dead. Well, we don't really know that. We know that he had disappeared in these mm. very same woods, there just disappeared. She's still holding out hope. So she's got some friends with her, but she's being plagued by nightmares, by hallucinations, by sleepwalking. And so right there, we get a lot of opportunity to have her wake up from a dream. You know how I love that so oh, much? Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, and we've also got one of the gang in her group, hosts a paranormal podcast. So that's the device that is used to Plus lucky. tell all of us about the legend of the lake and the urban legend about how it's so beautiful it can cause people to lose touch with the reality and maybe kill people. Mm. So it gets creepy. And I will say, this one too, we talked about how beautiful the painted bird looks. This one looks fantastic. Yes, that's, that's, you know, that's really the selling point for this it movie. Is. It really is. The cinematographer is Axel Mustad, and it's it, it really is. It's a fantastic job of setting up this whole atmosphere of woods and water yep. and how they could. When you, when you talk about early in the movie that this place is so beautiful, it can just spellbind you. Well, you have to back that up. Exactly. They, that's a, that's yeah. a big promise to keep. It is, and they pretty much do. And they put it, uh, the director keeps it on a really slow burn. It takes about 
I think, a full hour before you get to one, the first well-developed visual fright. So it's a slow burn, but it's, it's got the music stabs and it's got some, some jump scares. So it's enough to keep you interested. It is creepy enough. Uh, if you've seen a, a, at least a, a decent number of horror films, nothing about this is going to surprise you. Right. But it will keep your interest. And again, just for cinematography alone, uh, it, looks, it looks fantastic and it has a decent payoff. So as we've said recently, Shudder has been... The Shutter originals lately, I, th- I think, have been have been decent. Yes, you know, I decent agree. Decent to, yeah, to quite agree. good. And I think this one falls in the in the decent camp, and it's you're not going to be really sorry that you watched it. But again, it's not going to surprise you. But man, it looks great, and that is Lake of Death. So looking ahead to next week, doesn't look like again a, a lot of star power, but we've got a lot of titles. In fact, another one from Shutter, Impetigor. It's got gore in it, so that could be good. Yeah. <laughs> And then another horror film to come out, and it's a feminist horror film that I got a chance to watch last night called Amulet. Okay. Radioactive. It's not that song, thank God. (laughs) Is it Radioactive Man and Fallout Boy (laughs) from The Simpsons? I'm in with that. Speaking of songs, Fisherman's Friends is next week, and that is a bunch of fishermen who sing. Oh, (laughs) nice. Maybe some sea shanties then. (laughs) Looking forward to that. The Rental comes out next week. Also, Yes, God, Yes. That's the one I think we've pretty much decided you're going to cover. Yes, for a number of reasons that we will discuss <laughs> next week. And also retaliation. That sounds pretty vengeful. Mm. All right, so we'll see. All those next week, but this week, what do you think? Definitely some some decent stuff. Smaller movies, yes, but decent stuff. And if you're going to have a strong stomach and you're going to go out there and watch The Painted Bird, let us know what you thought. It's always easy to keep the conversation going. On Twitter, you can find us at Mad Wolf. That's M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. Also on Facebook and Instagram, it is uh, Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website where you can catch all of our written reviews and some other fun stuff, too. And by the way, that's where you can catch the trailer for our very first short film entitled Godspeed. You can. You can find the trailer for that on our website, madwolf.com. And we would love to hear what you think. It's our first Mad Wolf production. We made a nice little horror short film. And for right now, we'll just give you the trailer. About a minute long. And yeah, we'd love to hear what you think. So until next week, we hope to hear from you. And she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap.